0: Hello and welcome to the Matts Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 581. Available now in select cities across the US and on video on demand is The Bastard Sons, a crime thriller that tells the story of the son of a slain mob boss who, along with his loyal crew, seek revenge. A gritty and engrossing crime indie that strays away from the usual gangster movie tropes in favour of a grounded, intimate filmmaking experience the Bastard Sons also makes a directorial debut of its star and writer, Kevin Interdonato. And Kevin, I thank you so very much for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me, man. I love that introduction. I uh I'd like to request a copy of that so I can I can pass it around. That was terrific. Thanks.
0: Absolutely. I mean yeah, it's a really interesting film to me because I'm a big gangster movie guy. We're talking just off air before about my posters behind me and all the you know, yeah. stuff that I love. The thing about this movie though, like I said in my introduction, is that you really wanted to approach it kind of like more of a kind of like a workaday grounded kind of like a crime movie and yeah, I could tell you could I could tell by watching it just in the not only is the dialogue very kind of like realistic and then kind of like more uh not so not much showy but kind of like low-key kind of like naturalistic but also in the way that you approach your camera uh, angles and your handheld stuff in there as well it was always something for you where I'm sure you're a big gangster, uh, crime movie fan as well. But you didn't want to go down that road off of type uh, of gangster filmmaking and want to make something, uh, not only uh unique to you as a filmmaker, but also something that's just different to the usual that's out there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for thanks for bringing that up. I um, I'm an actor, you know, and I've been fortunate enough to play um, to play leads and, and carry stories enough times where I, I feel like I know how to tell a story. I never directed anything. I never, well, I never directed anything. I never thought about it or researched it or anything. So I kind of went in this, um, unrehearsed, but planned. And, uh, I, I planned extensively, but I, I didn't shy. I didn't go towards, um, the stereotypes. I, I just don't like that. I didn't want to anything to be caricature or to play the stereotypes. I also feel like my generation, man, our generation, I should say, uh, is probably the last generation to look at what real gangsters were like mm. and think that they were normal people. Because I grew up with dudes like that, you know? And uh, they're not really around too much anymore, that older generation, you know? And what I didn't want to do was was, uh, depict anyone who might be looked at as a caricature rather than a real person. Um, I view things a certain way as an actor. I just kind of applied what I was saying before to this film. And I, I don't know my, my voice yet as a storyteller, but I do know that whatever is conveyed in Sons along the lines of what you were mentioning about the realism and whatnot, yeah. I mean, if I were to write and direct a comedy, I don't think it would, it would deviate too much from the, the style Uh, just be different, different circumstances. And it'd be a lot more humorous, you know? So um, yeah, I guess not to be long winded about it, but uh, I, I strive for, for an honest reality approach. I don't like, I don't like acting. Uh, I like the term, the profession of it, but I don't, I don't like acting. And I, especially in these movies, it could come close to doing those characters. So I just thought about using real people and, and non-actors too, to, to make it even seem even more half the cast is non-actors.
0: I just want to backtrack a bit in regards to the process of, of making this film. I've spoken to a lot of um, filmmakers, especially indie filmmakers, about the impact that COVID has on them. On one end, of course, everything shut down. There's no work to be done. However, there is still work to be done in the creative process. A lot of people that I let's talk to especially directors and writers, they're hunkering down in their, whether it be their basements or their office or whatever, and they're like, you know what, that script I've been thinking about writing the last six years, now's the time for me to really get on that. And you yourself, yeah. Kevin, you went on a bit of a writing spree during that time, on, and and a lot of that stuff's coming to fruition now. Malicious came out late last year, which I really enjoyed. I uh, talked to John Fallon about that movie. I really enjoyed your performance in that. Ambassador um, Bastard Sons is like another kind of like result of that kind of writing spree as well. Yeah. Um when you were writing ambassador um, Sunstar*, I'm just really curious. though when w- did where did the idea kind of come to you to even approach a movie like this? And did you even know then that you were going to direct it as well? Were you writing that film with the intention of directing, or was that does that coming afterwards?
1: Yeah, afterwards. Um, <clears throat> like you mentioned about you know what what COVID did to everybody, I too was the guy hunkered down in my basement. I had a uh, God, when COVID started, my daughter was five months. Five months and um, I didn't know what to do, man. You know, I was like, I got to work, I got to figure something out. And it's not just you know being a an actor wanting to stay productive, but it's a father wanting to make sure that I you know could put food on the table and at least ensure mm-hmm. that. So I pounded out. So I ended up writing three screenplays uh, pretty quick. Bastard Sons was the first one. Um, that oddly enough was a different title years ago. I auditioned for a movie that a friend that, that this kid was that uh, was casting in New Jersey. I auditioned for the lead, he gave me the lead. Financing fell through that was 15, 16 years ago. And I stayed in touch with this guy. His name is Glenn Rodriguez. And I moved to Los Angeles. Glenn moved to Los Angeles. We stayed in touch. We worked together through the years, did a couple of shorts. And um, I ended up moving back to New Jersey. Glenn moved somewhere else, and then COVID hit. And I was like, man, remember that script you had years ago? And he said, yeah. Now, granted, he was 18 years old, 17, 18 years old when he wrote it. Hmm. But I said, it was a really cool concept. It was about these five guys that grew up together. They were like brothers, you know. It wasn't too deep. You know, he was a young kid that wrote it. But I like the idea of these, these guys that grew up like brothers. And I'm like, how close could brothers really be? Unless they were like somehow blood related. So um, I had a story in mind. I put it on it. I told Glenn about it. He said, go for it. I wrote the script and then I bounced a lot off of Glenn and, um, you know, made tweaks and adjustments and everything. So it was actually derived on something that from something that was written by a 17 year old, 18 year old kid 15 years ago. And uh, that's it, where it came to be. Whole new story, whole new everything. But uh, that's how it began.
0: Something about uh, your film, and I think in a lot of um, crime gangster movies, there's something very Shakespearean about them, because it deals with a lot of things, power plays, betrayals, um, there's a family aspect, even if it is not blood related, um, there's a family aspect, I don't know, with this movie, I felt there was a little bit of kind of Hamlet in there as well, you know, in regards to a uh, uh, father being unserved from the crown and then a the son, you know, battling demons of the past and, and, and the ghosts of the past to try to go forward. Um, does that come into context in any way, like Shakespeare, or anything like that at all? Or is that, or is that something that's so embedded in gangster films, anyway that kind of comes through naturally in the genre in the genre itself?
1: I've picked up on that in gangster films as well. You know, it's funny, man. This is, it, it it's a, it's the Bastard Sons is, is a gangster film. Yeah. It's a realistic gangster film, but I never saw them as gangsters. Um, I just saw them as normal guys, like kind of guys I grew up with. And they just so happened to be raised into a a crime family. And they're just positioned as that, you know, Um, that that world. And uh, I appreciate the comparison, man. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. I I think that has a little bit more to do with um, how I view things as an actor. When I when I tell a story, If if I'm lucky enough to play the lead in something, you know, I always look for the arc. I always look for the obstacle, the things in the way to overcome. And when I was writing this, I constantly reminded myself, scene after scene, what's in their way? What's in their way? What's in their way? How can I raise the stakes? How can I raise the stakes? Whether it was physical, uh, psychological, anything. And I think that might be close to what you're referring to, that there it, it was tragic, tragic in a way. And I just tried to make their journey as difficult as possible, even though in the film it takes place over really two days you know hmm. as it is but if the stakes were as high as possible and you put ordinary people in in uh, a high-stakes situation that creates creates drama creates conflict and that's what I was striving for
0: and the thing that I I really enjoyed about the film's walls your character Vincent seems to be going through some almost kind of like an existential journey in sort of ways trying to figure out who we use and kind of like in all of this and mm-hmm. he comes to his own uh, um uh revelations at the end I don't want to give away too much because this is a, a movie you need to see all the way up like to the end because there's like there's like character kind of like revelations after revelations after revelations in this movie there's a great quote in the movie one of my favorites I think will be of the year we um um I'm not a good man because I was not raised by a good one um, which is really interesting, that kind of like generational um uh, thing re- regarding uh profession, regarding morals, regarding a lot of things. and I think it sort of way seemed like Vincent was trying to fight what he what he is uh through a lot of his life. and then when push came to the shop, he kind of had to uh, embrace the sort of um darkness and uh, uh I don't know whether the word should be um i'm just trying to just trying to figure the word well let's just stick with darkness trying to embrace the darkness that is within him i think he was trying to push away for so long and it made him do kind of things maybe he wouldn't want to do beforehand but at the end of the day he is who he is and now he just has to live with it now
1: wow great take on that man thanks for thanks for really reading into it yeah yeah you kind of nailed it um i think if a man is not is not torn in one way or another um if he's walking, if, if, if someone just looks like they're walking such a straight line and they got it all together, I think something's up. Because I think we all got our, we all have our, our, our tendencies and our pulls. Um, with Vincent, yeah, I, I said that line in the very beginning of the film, like you mentioned, that was the first thing I wanted his character to say, to tell the audience right off the bat, he is not a good guy, yeah. but how far could he go and still have the audience hold on to him and still want to want to see him win. That's what I was playing with with him. How far can I go with him? And the audience would still care all the way to the very end. I do not know what people would think of him at the end. I didn't know, I've seen movies rarely, but I've seen movies where you watch the end of the film and you're like, ah, you know, damn. But we tested it and it, and it worked. Oddly enough, you know, looking at the, the screen in the background here, there's someone I'm looking at that was the, the motivation for uh, my character, actually. And that was De Niro's character in Heat. Mm. I always wondered what he would have been like if we saw who he was and how he was 15 years earlier. And mm. that is what I based Vincent around, uh, a younger version of what that character may have been like in, in the world of The Bastard Sons, you know, in my mm. film. Uh, a lot of uh, things I, I pulled from that to play around with and kind of settle in the the character a little bit. Yeah.
0: I think a lot of times it comes down to a lot of movies, whether it be your film or The Godfather or other films. To me, a lot of times it it's, comes down to their tragedies. Um, a lot of time it comes to the downfall of man because these guys mm-hmm. need to do things to stay in power and a lot of things they have to do, you can't come back from. You know, you really yeah, can't. Yeah. And I think, yeah, yeah. And I, I think um, the Master Sons really sticks on that. The Matts Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by TeePublic. TeePublic is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, Tee Public is sure to have something you love. The Matts Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Gift Card Store. Australia's leading provider of gift cards, Gift Card Store offers a variety of prepaid MasterCard and Visa cards in physical or e-card format. You can even design your own card as the ultimate personalized gift. With Gift Card Store, you can gift the gift you know they will love. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews on top 10 lists and help support my work please click on the Patreon link in the description below. Um, you know, I was listening to an interview that you did um, a few months back, and you are talking about how when you were in Los Angeles um, on, on sets of TV shows and films, and et cetera, there's a lot of downtime, and in that downtime, um, a lot of people tend to just go off into the world, but you were always kind of like sticking around and, and trying to learn and trying to take in as much as you can for productions and such. I imagine you would have had been a, been around a lot of different directors and a lot of bit of mo- different movie sets. When you take all that experience and you put it into your own movie, and now you're the director as well as a star and a, a producer in the film, um, how much of those lessons from from the, the everything in your career um, was so important to to at that point in your time where you're like, look, now I'm the guy calling the shots, I'm the guy behind the camera, because um, I'd imagine that. It would have been a daunting task, but but having that much experience behind you, I'm, I'm sure that would have been a, a bit of a cushion, uh, especially on those hard times when uh you might have had to might have to fall uh a few times before you, um you can realize uh the, the right path to go on.
1: Yeah, I hear you, man. I uh I did enough falling, you know. I did enough of learning from my mistakes. I'm I'm over that shit now. Um, mm. we got kids. We were just talking before, you know, and it's now. If I make mistakes, no, we all do. I'm not scared to make one, but I do everything in my power to make sure that they are like this and I can mm-hmm. recover. Um, so yeah, I studied a lot. I studied a lot, a lot, a lot on top of being an actor. I just, I just realized that the life of an actor is, is so fulfilling when I'm acting. And when I'm not, there's downtime, you know? And I know a lot of actors that, they're just not very busy people um and they find things outside of the business to do to fill that void or to keep their mind right waiting for the audition waiting 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 that whole game and i'm like i don't like to wait dude and and um i don't like to someone just told me a quote the other day and it was so great hope is not a strategy and Mm. it it hits home with me when i heard that and i I said yeah it's, it's absolutely not so I figured if there is that much downtime as an actor, even when you are working as an actor, I might as well fill it something else that I can be creatively fulfilled with. And somehow or another, this just kind of, it worked. I didn't realize how fulfilling it would be to... I've written several scripts before, but directing was really interesting. Uh, More so in post. I really, really enjoyed post. The cuts, uh, the sound, the sound editing, the sound design, the score. Uh, I really enjoyed all of it. And I'm glad I took that journey with it. So yeah, I learned a lot. I picked from people. I learned, maybe I would say I learned more what not to do
0: mm-hmm.
1: or how not to be. And then from an actor's perspective, how it felt on set with everyone on you know, on set, especially with the first AD and the, and the director and how that, those relationships were and what worked best for me. And um, everyone in the cast, aside from... One person, I knew everybody personally, or I've already worked worked with them. I didn't audition anybody. I feel like that's kind of insulting. I, I know enough actors. I've been in the game long enough now. It's like, do I really need to audition someone that I know, and I already know their work? It doesn't make sense. I know they do it. So I, it's always been flattering to me if someone offered me a role, and I just wanted to kind of give that back. Um, Al Sapienza, who played Rome, he was a friend of Joe Cernio, Joe Cernio played the role of Dobson and also helped produce the movie. Uh, he, he reached out to Al and Al was all about it. He jumped in. So, yeah, I just I really didn't have much to do as a director. It was kind of loose. I kind of told everybody that whatever they do is nothing's nothing. It's kind of impossible to be wrong. Mm. Uh, yeah, I said, all I really care about right now is that you get into it. You understand everything that's going on. And you just relax. And I said, no performances. Don't don't come here thinking you're gonna perform. Then you're gonna ruin it. You're absolutely gonna ruin it. So just just tap into that that side of you that fits in the clothing that you're wearing, and and just kind of go for it. And it it seemed to work, even with non actors working with experienced actors. You got Frankie Edgar, who's a UFC legend, opposite of Malik Whitfield, who's been around for thirty something years. You know, and it worked. It just worked. Everyone kind of found like a common ground within themselves as a, as a person rather than worrying about being an actor, you know, I hope that answered your question a little bit. I know. Yeah, it did. Uh... It
0: did. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Cause I always find it very um, interesting when um, I, I, I think with you and like other people that I've talked to, um, the uh, philosophy that I share is that doers do. Um and you, you can't help but but not do. I'm always try to keep myself busy with my own stuff as well over here, and I always yeah. try to do like a sort of podcast. I'm writing, I'm not writing, I'm editing, I'm doing stuff as well because I don't like to waste time because I think yeah. that to wasting time is uh is a sin in my opinion because we're only here for so long, you know. Yeah, and, uh, to waste that time, I think is just a is just a, it'd be a shame in a in a disappointment of people when people do do that. Um, I want to talk about New Jersey because. New Jersey is a vital to, to you know, the Bastard Sons. I believe the original title of the, fi- of the film might have been The Bastard Sons of New Jersey. I think I've ever seen some uh, promo of that before. Never never came up? All right. No, but it Not sounds bad, good, then. man. <laughs> <laughs> My bad then. Um, but New Jersey is like a really important in the film, of course. You shot it there. It's set there. My perspective on New Jersey coming from as a far, far, far outsider in the other way of the world, there's only a few things I really know about New Jersey. I know, I know Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> <laughs> I know um uh the, the Nets used to be there I know Bon yeah. Jovi um and I know um what who was I, a, a bunch of other um good um metal guys I know Zach Wilde I think he's from there and other guys yeah. as well that's like my oh and Sopranos of course um right, is my right. perception of it can you just tell me as an outsider how would you describe New Jersey to to an outsider because to me um it seems like a very kind of like very uh, blue color kind of place so am I am I thinking in, in a right right wavelength there
1: very much so. It's very blue collar and very, very hardworking white collar. Um, it's 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 bar none the most diverse state in the United States. It makes the most sense for anyone want to shoot here. Uh, you have mountains, inner city, ghetto, upper class, lower class, um, beaches. I mean, it's just, it's green and it's city. It's all over the place. An extremely diverse state. So to put a blanket on the whole state, it wouldn't be doing it justice because it just doesn't, you can't do that. Um, You know, it's called the garden state for a reason. Most of the state is farm, Hmm. uh, to be honest with you, but the more popular areas are not. I would divide the state up like this. I would say it's three sections. Uh, You got the Sopranos, Mm-hmm. That world does not, not meaning like Italian, but I just mean like that's a suburban kind of feeling uh, North Jersey. Um, there's a bit of a, an edge to North Jersey, you know, yeah, a lot more of an edge. It's a little quicker. Then you got central Jersey and by the shore. If you, if you listen to Bruce Springsteen, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. If you feel Bruce Springsteen, you feel that, that section of Jersey. And then and that bleeds into South Jersey it's, it too. And then you have West, and West Jersey is, uh, it's slow life, you know. It's a lot of farms, a lot of vast land. It's not visited too often. If uh, there's t- names of towns in this state I never heard of and I never will. But uh, yeah, the mix between North Jersey and Central Jersey, between the Sopranos and, and Bruce Springsteen music, that's, that's, a, that's a good mix to define a good portion of the state
0: other thing I've uh, learned about New Jersey listening to some of your interviews is that when it came to filming there, it's such a communal aspect to what everyone wants to see you do well in regards to it. I remember um, you telling the story about um, how... In Los Angeles, if you're shooting this in LA and you want to ask like a baker, a bakery, um, if you wanted to shoot there, they'll say, Yeah, sure, a thousand bucks, you know. And yeah. it's something that comes up quite a bit. I know I've listened, um, I've interviewed a lot of filmmakers, they go kind of go rogue, so they don't have to pay the, pay the permits for shooting in LA, you know, trying to like yeah. have spotters and then stuff like that because you know, very yeah. kind of like, um, uh, Colvinist kind of, um, uh, filmmaking. But if you do that in New Jersey, the people are like, oh, Of course, what film are you making? excellent oh great make sure you just get the you know get the sign in there all good you know what i kind of thing right Right. and that's yeah. uh, and that's really cool i think because um i think uh when you have that kind of communal aspect to it it's kind of like almost seems like um us against the world kind of like um uh kind of mentality and you need that i think on a film set it's like because it is you guys coming together as because film sets are communities right you guys coming together yeah. it's everyone that does their little piece in there um, and uh, to have kind of like the outer world where you're filming in uh, take part in that as well and you know, like giving you reassurance and giving you pride and having your back I'm sure that's a really cool thing for you uh, not only as a son of New Jersey but like um, directing your first movie as well
1: yeah I you know I felt safe here man uh, I, I've been involved in stuff shooting in LA and I've produced a couple in LA and different like you said not to reiterate but yeah how much you know, and it's like mm. nothing for nothing, but go scratch your ass, man. You know, <laughs> in LA, everyone they're you know making movies is a thing; they're used to it. In Jersey, in these rural areas that are not used to it, you know, I think at heart everyone's a movie fan or a TV fan. I don't know anyone mm. that really isn't. I don't know anyone that doesn't watch movies or talk about it over dinner or whatever. So if you present them to that, I'll be, they're more grateful, you know, and. And out of the goodness of my heart, even if they don't want money, I'll flip them a couple bucks. You know what I mean? To say, thank you. That's, that's the feeling you get. And when you got that, that good energy coming from a location owner, which is in the form of a friend, family member, friend of a friend, friend of a family member, whatever it is, it just makes such a nice cohesive unity uh, community to make that movie. It, it just really brings everybody up. It's not about the money, you know, and it definitely helps when you don't have a lot of money. So it's, yeah. <laughs> Big time, as you know. So I was really, really fortunate, man, to make this film. And I, and I look forward to making another ones, too. We had a small crew, man. I think we had uh, nine people total. Wow. Including, yeah, not including myself. But, um, and that's with like maybe two PAs. So it was tight. It was tight. But uh, everything was very specific. I had a team of warriors with me. Real, real nasty, badass, awesome people, you know? and they just kicked ass every day and, and everyone cared about the movie, everybody. And I'm glad they did, because it shows.
0: Um, not to get too far ahead of us, see but I heard that um, you have kind of like got a pitch together of a potential sequel uh, to The Bastard Sons. And um, I think there could be something really cool, cool there because, you know, continuing on with the um, uh, Shakespearean theme I was talking about before, now vincent is uh, going to approach the era of his life where heavy lies the crown like he's on top of the, he's on top of that uh he's he's yeah. on the throne now right so what now you know and um and to me i don't know about you my one well, of my favorite um one of my favorite movies is The godfather part two because i loved watching how michael kind of dealt with that kind of um uh, thing of where now he's in charge he's the man you know and i'm really interested in how vincent kind of handles that as well so um what are you thinking so far that is of course it's going to all generate on the success of, of the bastard sons and I, and, and, I, and I urge everyone to watch it so we can get that uh, to this to be a successful movie. But if it does do what I'm hoping it does do, are we going to see more Vincent and his crew in the future? You think?
1: Thanks. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, we definitely are. I, I have it in my head already. I that on paper. I know it's going to happen. Like you just said, I, uh, I can't get ahead of myself and write that script. And I know it'll fly once, once I, once I open it up and start putting it down, I know it's going to fly, but I can't do it until I know it makes sense to do it. And the only way Mm -hmm. I'll know if it makes sense to do it is if, you know, people respond to this film and and see how it does. If there's a warrant for it. Yeah. Without a doubt. I love it. I have it all figured out already. I, I knew a while back. Um, the stakes in *Bastard Sons* are are high, but the stakes in the sequel are through the roof. Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, want to I, get too much of it. Yet, but- no, no, no,
0: I, 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 you know, I wouldn't ask you to either because I think, um, <laughs> I think it'll be great to see that because I'm, I'm a big fan of the *Bastard Sons*. I'm a big fan of crime movies, a big fan of gangster movies, and I love what you've done with the *Bastard Sons* because it oh, is, thanks, it's bro. like it's, it's what I like. But it's different, and that's what I I really enjoy. I like them when filmmakers take something and they mess around with it and mess with convention and they make it their own. And I think what you've done here, Kevin, is exactly that. And for everyone out there listening, the Bastard Sons out now, select cities across the US and on video on demand. If you can see it in cinemas, buy that ticket, watch it in cinemas. Support independent filmmakers industry needs more independent filmmakers getting their films in cinemas if you don't like the glut of superhero movies well then support independent filmmakers and get those movies out there and then the industry will change i can't i can't you know talk about that enough and kevin interdonado thank you so very much for your time today and also i understand that you are a veteran of the gulf war and also just want to say thank you for your service as well in regards to that and um yeah, and thank you for this film because um like I said, man, I'm a big fan of it. I got a review, you know, halfway through there now and I hope that I have it up very soon. And um I can't wait to share this interview and that review when your next movie comes up. Um I think the um the next one is uh, the Saint Michael uh from um
1: Yeah. Saint Michael of the City, yeah.
0: St. Michael of the City, with that comes um, up and and starts um and is ready to go. i would love to have a look at it and talk to you about that one as well, man. It's I'm a big fan oh, of I the work.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks a lot. Thanks for what you do, man. It really, it's nice to, uh, it's nice to communicate with someone uh, like yourself who's got so much film knowledge and appreciation too. So I appreciate you. Thanks, dude.